you will fail. So what? Everybody does. But your gym, your watch, your yoga pants, they pretend you won't. So when you miss a day, eat the pancakes. Give up on a workout? You failed? Seriously, what the hell? We're body. We've been a part of that too, but not anymore. At body, we're rejecting perfection and embracing reality. Not in a pizza Monday kind of way, in a loving your whole life kind of way. In a, this workout is fun and it's okay if I take a week off kind of way. In an, I'm eating healthy and it's okay if I indulge kind of way. In a, I like myself no matter what kind of way. Yeah, you will fail. We all will. But we're not going to let that be the end. You see that? We're already making progress. So let's keep going. We are body. Start your free trial at body.com. That's B O D I dot com. Real moms of Bravo. Real moms of Bravo. Real moms of Bravo. Real moms of Bravo. We are so thrilled to have the Liliana Vasquez on our show today. I was fangirling out just a second ago, but if you don't know who Liliana is and you're living under a rock, she has graced our television screens. You might have seen her on the Today Show. I see her on E! She's also a style expert and an author, and the LV blog is where it's at if you're looking for the latest tips. Liliana, thank you so much for joining us. We're so excited to have you. Well, this is like the highlight of my day. You guys discuss what is like my very not-so-secret passion in life, which is everything pop culture and reality. Yay! Oh, and one (laughs) side note, Liliana is also just groundbreaking because she was the first person on E! in 30 years to be a Latina. We were just talking about that and representation, so she's doing the thing for the rest of us. So I just want to, you know, give her props for that, but thank Thank you, Liliana, again for coming. Oh my gosh, thank you. This is going to be so much fun. Yes, 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 yes. Well, tell us about your career. I mean, I think it's easy, you know, Abby and I have been doing the podcast thing. I think it's really easy watching TV to automatically assume like, oh, I could do that. I could be on that. And it's really, I mean, I don't personally think that, but the internet, you know, there's the people who Google who feel that way sometimes, <laughs> but think they can just do what you do. So tell us a little bit about your story and your background sure. and kind of how you got to where you are. Well, I have like a very unconventional journey to where I currently am now as a host um, on E! News. And I say unconventional because first of all, like I never even knew this job was an option for somebody like me. You know, English is my second language. I grew up on the north side of Fort Worth, Texas, where, you know, most of my community didn't even speak English. So the fact that I now get to sit in a position to anchor and host in English on an English network, uh, that's part of one of the biggest media brands in the world is like mind blowing and crazy. And that's why when people tell you to like, dream big. You're like, no, no, you got to dream bigger. Like you got to dream beyond what you actually see and what you think is possible. Um, so just the fact that I'm here in itself is like crazy to me. But the reason I also say unconventional is because I didn't take a traditional news route to get to where I am. And, you know, I talked to so many young men and women that, you know, are in J school or are studying, you know, broadcast media or new media or digital media in college. And they're like, okay, so like when you first sent out your resume tape, you know, like how many stations did you send it to? And that's just not my story. Um, My story actually is rooted and grounded in what I think has been the greatest assets to my career. And that is 
talk radio. And the reason I say that is, you know, you think of women like Wendy Williams. I don't know if you guys got a chance to watch the Wendy doc, but you see how important the foundations that you learn in talk radio are to being an incredible storyteller and being able to hold an audience. And those things are important no matter what the medium, whether it's a podcast, like what you guys do or television or, you know, social right now. Cause it's like everyone on YouTube and TikTok is blowing up. So I started there um, in college, really just as a hobby. Um, I am first generation. So like many first generation kids, my parents expected me to be a doctor or a lawyer or an accountant, um, something that, had, you know, a little bit more gravitas to it, and that was recession-proof, and that required a higher education degree. You know, my parents didn't have access to education in the way that I did, and they've always stressed to me, and I still agree with them to this day, that education is the way out for so many of us, and so they wanted me to push as far and as long as I could, but those weren't things that I was passionate about, so I got a business degree to satisfy my parents, but every extracurricular I did in college was media related, and that's how I knew that was my passion. So I actually um, was part of the launch team for WRGW, which was the radio station at George Washington University, and I produced countless hours of talk radio, all focused on entertainment and local, local for college news. Um, and I produced. I wasn't even really on air. I wasn't interested in being a radio personality, but I loved the storytelling and I loved the tech side and the production side. And then before I knew it, I was on air, um, and I got to do that while I was in college and hone my skills. I interned at NPR, which is to me like the pinnacle of news. Nobody does it better, and I know that radio is unglamorous um, because you don't get to like be on a red carpet in a fancy dress, but if you are serious about what you want to do and you want to be a storyteller, there is no better place to start than talk, whether it's a podcast or radio, because what happens when you go to TV is you get all of these bells and whistles, right? You've got like moving images, you've got chirons, you've got graphics. You ain't got shit in radio other than you, your voice, and your ability to tell a story in a way that moves and inspires an audience. And so I started in radio. And so when I talk to these kids, I'm like, listen, if you can get an internship at a radio station, it's probably going to happen before you get an internship at a TV station. Go and be the best radio person you can. And if you still want to be on TV, everything you learn in radio completely transfers. And honestly, I think it makes you a better correspondent or a better host. So started in radio. Ended up auditioning for this very, very local access, like budget public TV show in New York. Um, it was rooted in music. I actually had no idea that it was going to be on TV. I thought it was a radio music show. Um, so I showed up to an audition. I got it. And that was kind of the beginning of my love with television. And from there, you know, I kind of started to pursue more passions of mine, which is really fashion. Um, and I ended up being like a fashion expert in local television. I started in Philly because that's where I was at the time, but I would hop in my car and drive to Baltimore to be on the weekend show and do a fashion segment. I'd fly to Las Vegas because that's one station that would take me. And I built up literally hundreds, if not thousands of local TV appearances before I was even ready to think about pitching myself to a network or a network show like the Today Show. Or for me, it was actually the Nate Berkus show. Um, and then I built up hundreds of those credits. And then I finally, I think for me, what is like the pinnacle of daytime TV or morning TV is the Today Show. So I went to the Today Show. I did a segment on a Tuesday with Kathy Lee and Hoda. They asked me back that Friday. And that was the beginning of a seven-year run that ultimately was the foundation 
um, to get me really comfortable to where I am right now, which is at E. I've really spent the last decade at NBC. I've worked at the Today Show. I've worked at New York Live, which is part of the New York Station Group. I worked at Channel 10, which is the NBC 10, which is part of Philly. Um, I worked at Access Hollywood. So I have really spent my entire career at NBC. There's no better place to be. And now I'm finally at the place where I think I spent my entire career trying to get, which was to sit in that studio where like Juliana Rancic and Ryan Seacrest once stood. Um, so again, very non-traditional. Um, I didn't have a news background when I got my first news job. Um, I just sold myself to the news director, and thankfully, he was one of those, I mean, I call them rabbis, you know, you have career rabbis, um, he was my rabbi, he was the guy that was like, whatever this girl does, she's going to be really good at, so I'd rather her be good at my station than a competitor station, so I'm going to put her on the air, and that was the beginning of where I am right now. Smart guy, we sat down, <laughs> he knew what to do with you. He did. So tell us a little bit about your new show, Pop on Peacock. That's pretty exciting and yeah. our thrill for you. Thank you. So, you know, this pandemic has been brutal for so many of us. Um, on a personal level, you know, it's impacted my family and my husband's family. And I know so many of us have, you know, really just sad stories about how this pandemic has hurt us on an emotional level. But it's also killed this industry um, professionally. And my shows that I had on E! were the casualties of the pandemic. Um, I had E! News and Pop of the Morning, and those shows launched January 6, 2020. Um, my last day on air was March 13th, 2020. Um, and those shows were ultimately canceled in August. But like everybody else, you know, you have to be ready to pivot at any point in time, especially when you are working under these circumstances. And I saw a massive opportunity to join the team at Peacock because that is the future. Everybody knows it. It's streaming, whether it's Netflix or Amazon or Paramount Plus or Disney Plus. Or, uh, there's so many now. Bill <laughs> um, Max, streaming is the future and Peacock is the streaming arm of NBC. And they wanted to do you know, a daily show that was just a quick three to four minute digest of the top entertainment news stories. And when they asked me to do it, it looked a certain way. And I felt like it looked like TV for Peacock. And if there's one thing that you need to understand, it's that mediums don't transfer that big of space, right? So like, I can't take a show that is meant for YouTube and put it on Peacock. I can't take a show that's built for the E online, for E, the audience on E on TV and put it on Peacock. You really have to understand best practices for each of the systems that you work in. So I learned really quickly. Um, I learned how to shoot, edit, produce, and like shoot myself on a green screen over the course of about three and a half weeks um, and built a show from the ground up that was basically just me and a producer. Um, so we launched that on Peacock and it's been incredible. It's It's been the highlight of this pandemic for me because I am a forever student, but oftentimes you get to a certain place in your career where either you stop learning because you don't have to anymore or you get too comfortable. And I think I got too comfortable. Um, and working on Peacock really challenged my creativity and it challenged my production skills, which <laughs> at the time I thought were great, but quickly they realized were shit. Um, and then I had to adapt and learn and pivot and, and pitch. And it has really, really changed how I prioritize 
future projects for myself. Like I don't just want to be talent. I never just want to be somebody that like stands in front of a camera and reads a prompter. Like there is no future in that. I want to create, I want to direct, I want to produce, I want to do, I want to understand all of the production that goes into that. Um, and going forward in the future, like that is a hundred percent what I'm going to really focus my attention on because I'm a storyteller in heart. And the only way you can really have kind of like your vision and your voice in that story is if you're producing that story. Absolutely. And I still love too, that I get to see your face on daily pop. I love TV. Trust me. Um, it's just that, you know, I'm 40 and you get to a place in your career for some people that happens at 25. And that's amazing. I was a disaster at 25. Um, for some people it happens at 30. And for me, it's just become so clear and it really took this seismic shift in our industry and pause personally for me to reevaluate and say, whoa, like what makes me happy? Because I love the red carpet, but like it doesn't bring me joy in the same way that like taking an idea that like I jot down on a piece of paper, make a note in my phone and then seeing that come to life and knowing that like I orchestrated that and I engineered that, like that to me brings me an incredible amount of joy. So like find those moments and create ways to really build on that. Like don't limit yourself because everyone's telling you that you do this or you can only do that. You know, I love that. I love that you said too that like you found it at 40. I think a lot of times people think like, um, like I even sometimes like I'm too old to start something new. And it's like, you're really, look at Tom Brady. You're never too old. You know, like he's playing better than he ever has. You're not. And it's so funny because I can do that you know, I think oftentimes, and especially women, like we can do that for other people. Like I can look at somebody else's career, a coworker, a friend, like my cousin and be like, what are you talking about? You have infinite potential. Look at how good you are at this. And I can cheer them until like, I am like the best hype man to ever have. Like if you're trying to like pick up a dude at a bar, like girl, I'm, you are Giselle. Okay. Like after you're done talking to me, you are Giselle, but I couldn't do that for myself. And I think we often just can't deliver for us what we do for other people. And it's hard. Um, but yeah, you just have to do that. And I also did it for people with fashion. Like I would get all these women writing into me, you know, especially when I was at the today show, cause the audience is older being like, I'm fill in the blank age. Can I wear fill in the blank? And I'm like, yes. Like what age has nothing to do with style or fashion. And I would like, be like who, who put these ideas in your head? Okay. Well, obviously we put those ideas in our head because here I was at 38 being like, all right, this is it. I'm done. Like I, I, I got this job. Like, this is what I'm going to do. And like, this is the end of my, not the end of my career, but like, this is the peak of my career. And I'm like, no, no, hold. We're just getting started with like the real part of what you're going to contribute and like what my legacy will be in this industry. I think so many women listening to this are going to resonate with your message. Like Mm -hmm. I've felt that for myself. I always channel, like Abby was saying, I always think of Hoda actually, (gasps) because she, I mean, think of, you know, when she got the gig of being with Savannah at the front desk, she was in her 50 when she started her family. Like I just, there's no right age to start anything. So you can never give up. So I love, I love, love, love that message. And honestly, something that you mentioned, it was something I was curious about. So we're working moms, we're in our mid thirties. I think that I'm not cool enough to wear certain trends (laughs) and certain things. Okay. So how how can we stay fashionable but age appropriate? Because I'm always worried about looking like I'm trying, you know, trying hard and forever 21, but I want to be cool. I don't want to be a loser mom. I want to be the cool. (laughs) 
Nobody wants to be a loser anything. Like, oh, loser mom, like, loser, like, executive. Like, we want to just, like, take that away. But, okay, so first and foremost, like, give me an example because I am, like, a practical, tangible person. Like, okay, like, I'm looking like... I have one. Okay. Like, I'm holding a dress. Like, okay, I'll tell you, like, I'll give you this one. Like, okay, so here's this dress in my closet. Pretty, like, classic ribbed whatevs, right? But then it has, like, these arm things that are, like, arm warmers. And I'm, like is this like a 22 year old's outfit? I bought it on Storette. So like the answer is probably yes, but like, no, like fuck that. Like I'm wearing this. Um, so what is your fashion age dilemma? Which one is it? So I think for me, I feel like I can only wear skinny jeans and this is like the big TikTok, you know, Gen Z is telling us we need middle parts and we have to get rid of our skinny jeans. <laughs> I just don't, no, and maybe it's just because I like I'm thinking about like what I feel confident in, which I still think you wear whatever you feel confident in. Yeah. But like, if I'm not quite ready to go into like wide leg, what something in between? How can I like look cool but yeah. not be wearing skinny? Okay, so I I totally hear you, and I have been wearing skinny jeans like I don't know for the last however long. I don't even remember when skinny jeans came into play, but I was like, yes, they're like leggings, but they're denim, and they like make me feel thin, and then I can wear like a blousey top this is like fashion magic. All of those things are still applicable today. And if you want to wear skinny jeans, like wear them, I would just say update them with like a really cool shoe choice versus like a heel or like a flat. Like I really actually like skinny jeans with like a cool sleek white sneaker. Right. And then like an oversized button down shirt and a blazer. So you can still wear them. I think you just want to make them feel like 2021 and not like 1995 when they were first introduced to us. And I think that's what happens sometimes is that we get tunnel vision on how we wear our skinny jeans. For me, it's like the dresses I wear. Like if you, I mean, you can't see them right now, but like every dress is like almost the same shape. And that's because I feel good in that shape. So why am I going to wear something that I don't feel good in? But there's easy ways to update the things that we love or that we feel confident in. So for skinny jeans, totally. Like, do it with, like, a crisp white sneaker, like, a common project sneaker, a, like, a men's button-down and a blazer. And then you're like, oh, magic. It's 2021. I've teleported my skinny jeans into this new decade. Um, but when it comes to trying new trends, here's the thing. You need, like, one person in your life that is no and will not lie to you. And sometimes we have great friends that lie to us. And that's okay, but you need to know their place in your life, especially when it comes to like hair, makeup, clothes, and also like home decor decisions. And so you just need one, right? And they don't even have to be like that close to the friend. Sometimes I find that it's friends that are like acquaintances bordering on a real friend that for some reason have a comfort level to like just tell you like it is. So I always do like now, especially like a virtual try on for that friend. And don't not buy it because here's the thing, you can return it. Like just because you bring it into your closet does not mean that it A, has to live there forever or B, that you have to leave the house wearing it. Sometimes I find that like I do like little trial runs, like for example, the jeans, like I'm actually, I'm like in my closet. So this is perfect. <laughs> so I know what you're talking about because I bought these. These are like pistola, wide leg, looser kind of jeans. And I'm only five feet tall. So the idea of this, of this gene is like terrifying, right? Um, it's like, why would I do that? Like, why would I want to look like I'm heavier? Like, why do I not want to define my ass? Like nobody thinks that's cute. 
but I bought these and I actually wore them around my house, like with slippers and like tried different tops, like casual tops. Cause right now we're dressing casual. And the more I wore them, the more I think my eye adjusted to my body in them. And then one day I was comfortable enough to like wear them out. And what always happens, you wear something new, people see you and they're like, you look so good in that. And then like, bam, you're ready to wear like wide leg jeans all day, every day. And I'm like skinny jeans. I don't even know where you are anymore. So I would try it, but I will say this with skinny jeans. I think after, I mean, with the wide leg jeans, it's one thing if you're like Haley Bieber and you can do them like super baggy in the waist and super baggy in the leg. I think that women need a little bit of definition in certain places, at least most body types, and I mean anybody that's not like Haley or Kendall, like I still like a little bit of a slimmer waist and a little bit of a tighter fit through the middle. So if you aren't ready for a wide leg or like a super loose kind of like slouchy jean, just do a straight jean. Like a Levi's straight 501 is still going to feel leagues ahead of a skinny jean, but it's not going to give you the extra volume that you're probably thinking is not so flattering. Wow. I just want to wear jeans too. Like I feel like we're all at home and mm-hmm. I mean, we're not wearing jeans for lounging. So it's like, I guess I'm just excited. Yeah, no. And I think jeans are like, I mean, I have bought two pairs of jeans in the last two weeks because I just can't wear leggings and sweatpants. Like I, I, I think I've hit my limit. I keep saying that. I keep buying jeans mainly because there's so many good sales. Like I bought a pair of white jeans. I'm like, well, I'm not even going to be wearing white jeans anytime soon, but I, you know, I bought myself a pair of white jeans. They are skinny, (laughs) but I bought them and I'm like, okay, I'll be ready for the summertime. Um, I want to ask you some questions. We want to ask you some questions about some of your interviews. Yeah. What is the craziest thing to happen to you during an interview? Um, this is just so bizarre. It wasn't like crazy. It was, so I was interviewing Jamie Foxx and Michael B. Jordan, who is like, it's not even breathtaking. He's almost paralyzingly good looking so that you just completely freeze. Like you, just your eyes work, but everything else stops. And uh, so I was interviewing the two of them. A, they love each other. They have such a cool relationship. And, um, out of nowhere, Michael B. Jordan gets a splinter. Like, it's like it dropped out of the sky and he has a splinter in his hand and he's like literally like poking at it with all kinds of random sharp objects that like people have brought him into the junket room. And Jamie's like, let me look at it. I'm like, and you only have seven minutes um, in a junket. Like it goes very quickly. People think that we get to sit with celebrities and like have lunch and like chit chat and like maybe have a cocktail. No, like you walk in, they start the clock, you've got seven minutes and then you are promptly escorted out of the room. So I'm in my head, I'm like, A, I hope he's okay. B, like, I hope he has a tetanus shot. And number three, like, is this cutting into my time? Uh, Because I have a lot of questions for you. Um, So I thought, and so he was like digging and then finally he's like, oh, the interview. I was like, it's cool. Like you do whatever you need to do, Michael B. Jordan. Like I will just sit here and look at you for seven minutes and I will tell my boss, that you had a deadly splinter. And so he was great, but it was, it was like, he was, they were fully immersed. I was sitting there, cameras were rolling lights on and he was just trying to extract a splinter that came out. It wasn't even like he, maybe he like touched the table. I don't know where it came from, but all of a sudden he's like, I have a splinter. I was like, Oh my gosh, what is happening? So that was very strange. And again, very awkward because he's so good looking that I was already so nervous. And now I like, don't want to rush him to like, perform surgery 
on his thumb. Like it was. Well, it like, was what do you do? Do you offer to help, or is that weird? Well, like, I, I mean, know. I feel like, do you want me to do it for you? So I can yeah. like, touch you inappropriately. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, I am. It's funny. There's some people that are very bold, and I, I I've seen this on like tape and stuff. I'm actually like quite a shy person around celebrity. It's one of the things that I think I could probably work on when it comes to my interview skills. Um, because to me, there's a boundary, there's a professional boundary there and they are celebrities and they are there to be interviewed. And I'm a journalist and I'm there to ask questions. And if we have a pre-existing relationship, that's different. But if it's someone I've just met for the first time, I'm actually like very much like, listen, I will go in the direction that the interview is going. Like I won't read off my questions, but I, I will follow the flow, but I, I definitely don't get in there. Like I, I've seen some journalists do and they make for magic moments, but I just, I, it's, there's a line. It's like when people like think that like when we're on red carpets, like we're invited into parties. I'm like, we're the help. Like, let's be very clear. Like at least me, you know, other, I think at certain levels, like I'm sure Ryan Seacrest is not the help. Like, let's be very clear. Um, but you know, where you sit, where, where I sit, it's, um, it, there's, there's a very defined line, like very defined. Well, I want to pivot a little bit and talk about, an, I think it's kind of a known, you talked about other interviews, but a known, uh, advice of yours is that you love reality, and particularly the house of business, speaking our language. So we wanted to ask you about some topics that are a little uh, controversial have been breaking the internet. So let's first start with Kelly Dock. Take a deep breath. <laughs> Take a deep breath, girl. Uh, oh okay, I'm there. I'm ready. Um, so first of all, Kelly Dot is Mexican. Um, I'm Mexican and, and Puerto Rican. Love you, dad. Um, so, you know, sometimes I think Kelly suffers from what oftentimes a lot of what I call white passing Latinos suffer from, which is if you have not lived the experience of discrimination, you have no empathy for discrimination. That is a massive problem. And just because you don't live it doesn't mean that you can't understand it, empathize and stop it from happening. And Kelly to me is an example of that. Like she looks like a white girl from Orange County, right? She doesn't speak Spanish. She doesn't have an accent. Um, and that is a privilege in itself. And for her not to acknowledge that privilege, A, but B, like behave the way she behaved during this pandemic, say the things she said, it's just, it's, it's a, her behavior to me was appalling and irreprehensible and Andy should have terminated her over the summer. It just shouldn't have waited until the season was over. I just think there's no excuse for it. She's not a comedian. Um, so like her, like, what was it? Drunk wives matter or whatever it was like, that's just like not funny. Um, and even if a comedian did it, I don't think I would have ever found it funny, but I understand that there's a place for comedy and tragedy and there's a place for comedy at when, a country is in pain. Um, to me, it was too soon, bad timing. And you're just not that funny. And you always say you're funny, but that wasn't funny. And I don't think anyone laughed. Um, and then, you know, the way she talked about like fitting the herd again, like we have hurt so much. And for her to say something like that is so insensitive. But again, like an edit can't do anything to you that you don't give the edit the power to do. 
And we know that I work in TV, whatever you said, you said, and yeah, they can edit it to amplify what a bad person you are, but that doesn't change the fact that you are a bad person. Yeah, no, I mean, I love everything you're saying in terms of her being white passing. I think in the Latin community, there's so much colorism that happens. I mean, my family being from the Dominican Republic, especially with um, the Afro-Latinos, I mean, as a population, we are that <laughs> pretty yeah. much in the DR, but there's so much of that. Just because you are Latino, Latina doesn't mean that you can't not be racist. Like it happens. I mean, so happens. I, I, it happens often. a lot more frequently, especially yeah. within the own community. Like, oh my God, so much of that happens within the, our own community. So I just, I love that you kind of said that and you took the words out of my mouth there because <laughs> Yes, Kelly, you can be Mexican and you can still be racist and your actions were racist. Yeah. I mean, that's it. It's like, it's so, it's such an easy call to make. Like we can all make it so simply. And it's just a question of like, are you anti-racist or are you not? And if you're not, then you're on the wrong side of the line. That's it. That's all it is. Like it's simple math, you know? Um, So I just, I think she's, I hope that she learns from this. You know, she has a daughter um, who's also Mexican. And I think the most important thing we can do is, is raise our kids to understand that colorism exists within our culture and to put a stop to it as they eventually get older and take over this world for us. So when I see that, I'm just like, I hope that she doesn't emulate her mom's behavior. Um, and I hope that she is fiercely proud to be Mexican and Latinx and that she really works to understand like what a privileged life she leads, but also what a privilege she has just by looking the way that she looks. All right. Next one. I mean, she has become my favorite person on reality TV in the last three weeks. I didn't really, all I knew about Madison was that that it, that's the girl that walked in on her boyfriend having like a threesome. Like I, Beyond that, I I didn't know if she was a mom. I didn't know anything about her because I kind of checked out of Southern Charm a few seasons ago. Like I liked it, but it was like a it was very um like it was like too fratty for like I I, I I grew up in Texas, so I know those guys, and I didn't like them when I was like dumb and young, and so I certainly don't like them like now. Um, and so it was like I just checked out because it was fratty, and I think Cameron left, and I kind of liked her from the real world, so I was like, okay, I'm done. But then this season, not even this season, it's just when all of the drama started happening with Jay Cutler and Kristen Cavallari, I was like, who is the girl at the center of the controversy? And listen, I don't have anything against Madison. I I mean, I I don't think she's offensive in the way that like Kelly Dodd can be offensive. Uh, But that girl likes herself some drama. And here's the thing. It's like, it's like Lisa Rinna always says, just own it. Like, it's, I'm not saying, like, it doesn't make her a bad person. Some people just naturally like to put themselves in the middle of a shitstorm at all times. I have friends like, we all have friends like that, right? Drama follows them everywhere they go. She is that girl, but she is doing it at, like, a very visible level with other people who also like a shitstorm. And I'm talking about, like, KCAV, like, there's so many, when all this was happening, I was just thinking back to Kristen being like, God, I loved her so much on Laguna Beach. Like, if she just she is who she is. Like, she's gonna, like, kind of push that a little bit. She has a brand and children now, so she can't be as crazy as she was on Laguna, but she definitely, like, got in the mix, and it's been fun to watch. I mean, I think that she, 
I think that her releasing the text messages between her and Jay, while I loved reading them, she edited the hell out of them. And that automatically made you completely lose all credibility. So if you're going to do that, you just got to tell the truth. So I feel like she's trying to control the narrative. And at this point, like, there's no hope for you in that. Like, we've already taken it over. The internet always wins. Uh, but I've watched, I've, I'm watching this, the A-Rod. I mean, it's, it's mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. I just can't believe that A-Rod and J-Lo have been able to contain this story in the way that they have. Uh, they were together same. At the Super Bowl. Like, as if nothing was going on. I, and I mean, I don't know that she's ever going to comment on it. No. I mean, I guess no. in her world, Madison's beneath her. But I just, I mean, A-Rod's, there's been rumors in the past and, you know. Yeah, and it's its crazy because I feel like, did, did J-Lo, like, if I didn't really know who Madison LaCroix was before three weeks or four weeks ago, there's no way Jennifer Lopez knew who, Ma- I mean, she was probably like, is she the heiress to like the LaCroix drinks? Like, what, who, you know, I mean, cause at least like, oh, she's a billionaire. Okay. Like fine. But she's like, you know, she, she's Madison LaCroix. She lives in Charleston. She runs like a hair salon. Like she's like any of us, right. She's totally normal. Other than the fact that she has a reality show, but like, what, what is JLo going to do? Is she not going to do anything? I'm hoping she kicks his ass to the curb, oh, but I'm like waiting for the right time because I feel like timing's everything in Hollywood. So I feel like, you know, I don't know. I'm hoping that once she films her movie, once things <laughs> kind of settle down and there's like a new distraction, she's going to like low key yeah. leave him and then, you know, be single. Yeah. And I'm hoping for Benefer 3.0. I keep <gasps> I, oh my it up. I know it's a hot take. I've said it multiple times and I would love a benefit for 3.0. Wow. I didn't even go there. That You think you like could bust out like the old pink diamond engagement ring and like I, get her back with that? I mean, he's been pretty friendly to her in that his interviews and he like recently defended her. He's single. I, I would like to think he's somewhat reformed. Maybe. And he I, likes the Latina. Yes. He likes the Latinas. So I just feel like it would be a good look. Wow. I'm only here for that Oscar. It, uh, <laughs> she deserved it though. She at least deserved a nomination. Yeah, she but. at least deserved a nomination. But I don't know. I just I would I would like it. I would welcome it. I mean, I'm here for it. And I think the I think you're totally right on her waiting for the right moment. You know, I think what people forget is that they're not like a normal couple. You know, celebrity couples at that level are not just a couple, they are a business entity. And there is money to be made off the brand of the couple. And if you look at that trajectory that A-Rod has had over the last few years since he decided to like woo J-Lo and she fell in love and became like, they've both grown exponentially. I mean, we watch every, not that J-Lo, but J-Lo was her own thing before him. She did not need A-Rod. But when people couple up like that, like it's like, it goes into a whole nother stratosphere. So I think that it's very good for business and, you know, it's sad to say this, but Hollywood is a business, right? Fame is a business. Um, and so I think that drives a lot of these decisions when you're like, that doesn't make sense. Like if, if my husband, if I went in his phone right now and he was DMing fucking Madison, look, I would be in jail. Okay. Like, I mean, I would literally be in jail. He would be dead and I would be in jail. That is, and that's my husband. That's not like fucking a Like, You have no business DMing girls on Instagram when you were engaged to me. Like it, oh my God, it's, it's I can't. I know, I can't, I know. I can't either. <laughs> I don't know, it's so wild too, because I guess I think like, 
I'm not naive enough to think that maybe A-Rod isn't trying to maybe DM girls on the side, but he picked a reality star with by nature, all they're going, their whole point is to stay relevant, to make their lives interesting. Like you pick the worst person. You were better off picking like an aspiring model and be like, hey, don't say anything. I'll connect you with this, you know, plastic person. But like it's a reality star. I just feel like he should know better, but maybe he doesn't. Yeah, or he, or sometimes I think that like when people exhibit really reckless behavior, it comes with another motivation. Like, I'm not saying he wants out of the relationship, but I often think that when you are so reckless with somebody like that, it's like something else is going on because like you said, like you can be very discreet about your, you know, extramarital, extra engagement activities. Madison LaCroix is like in the dictionary under opposite of discreet. Um, So I I hear you. I totally agree. So also curious, um, do you think Vanderpump Rules and Real Housewives of Orange County are going to come back? Um, okay. I think that Real Housewives of Orange County will come back. I think that the Real Housewives franchise is bigger than one city. And I think to cancel OC would be a mistake. It is the original franchise. I think it is definitely time to recast the show. Um, I think that about some other cities too. I I, I don't think that it's just them. I mean, that one to me needs probably the most because it's the oldest. And I think a fresh take on it would, would never be a bad thing. Um, Vanderpump rules. So Vanderpump rules is like dear to my heart. Um, and the reason I say that is because when Vanderpump rules first started, we were kind of in the middle of reality turning more aspirational than real. And there was something really refreshing about watching Vanderpump because these were like kids in their young twenties living in like, you know, not so nice apartments. Some of them didn't even have a car working jobs that we can all relate to working in our early twenties. And it was fun to watch the struggle because you want to root for them and you want to cheer them on. And it was fun to watch something that like, you're like, oh, I remember being there financially. I remember being there emotionally and being in that toxic, horrible relationship with that guy. But what happens inevitably to any reality cast, if the show is good, is obviously they command more per season. They become more aspirational, you know, and maybe they're not like Lisa Vanderpump because she's their employer, but like they are probably like in the top five to 10% earners in the U.S., And it's no longer about the struggle. It's more about like the come up. And I feel like I want to watch the struggle. Like I miss reality like that. I miss that kind of reality show. Everything is so fake now. And when Vanderpump hit the scene, I don't know, 10 years ago, nine years ago, it was the first show that felt real in a long time. And I could not get enough. Like Stassi and Jax and she, it was just, and they were waiters and waitresses waiting on the people on the Housewives of Beverly Hills. Like it was like watching, like it was watching like real life and that went away because now they like are all promoting skinny tea and you know, they all have lip collections. (laughs) So I would, I wouldn't mind if Vanderpump was recast, but everybody goes on reality now with, you know, different ambitions. They just want to get on so that they can get a million followers on Instagram and not ever have to be a waiter. Whereas I feel like back then being a waiter was like a great way to get your start in LA. Like, you know what I mean? It's like a job that everybody's had. So I feel I, like the Fat Fit Fun Box is part of that starter kit of 
Oh yeah, like what is it? What do I look? Okay, so it's like it's, so it's the it. Fab Fit Fun Box. It's tummy tea. Um, oh, the Bondi, the hair curler. Yep, the Bondi hair curler, and like it's like the starter pack. Like it's like one agent represents all three, and if you have over like five hundred k followers, you get like you got to do all three posts, and you get like a fixed flat fee. It's like I mean, it was someone was talking. I don't know, maybe it was you guys. Somebody was talking about how all of the contestants on The Bachelor are already verified. Like what? Why? What do you, what do they verify? Like I have friends that are like journalists at like major networks that aren't verified. Meanwhile, they're responsible for giving you the news that informs you as a citizen and they're not verified. So how is like random girl, like a on the bachelor verified with like 3000 followers. It's Victoria like, it's probably yeah. verified before this <laughs> journalist yeah. is like giving us actual news and information actual news or has like a profession or an expertise yeah. or is you know an artist or whatever like it's it's nuts but yeah it, it is there is a i love that you called it a starter kit there should be a meme somebody has to make a starter kit I'm, reality I'm sure there is we, <laughs> we make memes for fun and i'm sure there is already one out there but it's definitely part of the starter kit wait what do you guys think do you want to kill off vanderpump and, and oc or do you want it recast would not be upset. There's rumors that like Andy mentioned a reboot for OC and everyone thought maybe it being like a different city, but stay in California. Um, because you mm. know, most of them don't really live, like they're kind of living outside of Orange County. I don't know. Then naturally I was like, oh my God, what's it not a ring? And it's kind of like big little lies vibes. Cause I feel like that town is so wealthy. Yeah. Uh, with, so it can be, and it's very different than OC, but I, um, I'm okay with killing off Vanderpump if we get something else in its place. And I don't know if it needs to be like Elisa Vanderpump bar. Everyone thinks yeah. Vegas will be the next one. But like you said, just another place where it's people that truly are waiters and waitresses. And I love it too when it's like people are friends for a show. You can see that. Like you know if they truly have history. Yeah. Or if it's just, hey, I'm introducing my new friend to the group at lunch. And everyone's like, okay, that's good. <laughs> right. Totally. I mean, I think that's what, that's the problem. That's why it doesn't work now for so many. Like, I think that's why New York doesn't work. You know, it's like, if there's not that like real authentic connection between the group and you don't know each other's history before we meet you, like how, what ammo are you going to use when you're having like your blow up, drag up fight? Like, it's like, I've only known you for six weeks. Like how bad can you be in six weeks? I mean, some can be really bad, but yeah, no, I, I hear you. I'm, I hope they don't get rid of it. I think, I think they're, they're ready for a little makeover. I want a Tom, Tom basically. And we've talked about this a lot with our Bravo loving friends, but I feel like Tom, Tom is the next evolution of Vanderpump rules where Tom Schwartz and Tom Sandoval kind of take on the Lisa Vanderpump rule. And then it becomes about the servers at Tom, Tom. I can get on board with that. And then everyone makes appearances here and there, truly like from a friend level. Yeah. Um, not like pretending to work there. Cause that's where, no, I, I mean, that's where I hated that last season because as viewers, I'm like, we're not that dumb. Like we know they don't work there. We know, like you said, like they're selling the fit tea or whatever on Instagram. They're getting enough oh, money to not have to work and wait, like wait tables. Um, yeah. I want to know what celebrity you think would make a great housewife. Oh God. Um, a great housewife. I feel like I'm trying to think of like who would be so good. I, I mean, I'll tell you who I want to watch on housewives. She's like too nice to do it, but I think I want her there. Cause I also want insight into the family. Cause I'm obsessed with the family is Kate Hudson. 
Like she's the right age. She's got a, like older kids and then a baby. And I like that because she still has to deal with like poop and like spit up and feedings and like all of the stuff that like moms deal with that so they can relate. But then she's also dealing with like teenagers, which is its own like battle, I'm sure. And then she has the celebrity parents, which automatically is like amazing. And, you know, one thing I realize is I like my housewives really rich. Does that make sense? Yes. We no, just talked about this. That's okay. like Tiffany Moon, because like when we saw her closet and it needed a fingerprint, we like, oh, she's so extra. I'm like, no, but that's what housewives was built on. I, yes. I don't like, like I do with people. That. I want rich. <laughs> rich. Like, it's like, here are the qualities that a housewife needs to be. Number one, like rich as fuck. Like I, I just... I, I got Lisa Vanderpump, like I, that's what I want, you know, like Vanderpump is for, is for accessible, like that's its own thing, that's a different kind, but I want my housewife, so Kate Hudson, obviously so rich, and then I just like, I love her brother, they have the podcast, like I just feel like it's cool when there's like a family to support the housewife, uh, but she's so nice that it might be like not fun to watch, I just want to watch all of the stuff around her, and she's so funny, um, and she's so like she doesn't care. I mean, she get she doesn't give a fuck, you know? So I would like to, I, I think of her because of the, of the fam where she is in life. And I just feel like I just want more access <laughs> into her life. So I think she would be really good. Um, I'm trying to think like somebody else that would be like, so, so good. I don't know. I have to think of what someone do you else. Think, what do you think about Larsa and Miami? Cause there's rumors of Miami <laughs> coming back and Larsa. I mean, okay, so on another level of thirst. um, Okay, okay, so that's so that is a problem. So there's so many rules to a great housewife. Um, I don't think you can have that level of thirst. Like she's unquenchable, and that to me is not. I would like her on like wags, but I don't want her on housewife like if I'm a casting director I'm like she would be perfect for wags um but I don't want her on housewife I I, sometimes I I think like Andy and the team at Bravo like they just have to like they really have to like reset like what was like what are the housewife priorities you know what I mean and like if you score above a seven on thirst I, I just it's not gonna work it's like it's it's like Bronwyn season two do you know what I'm saying like that is why the, that is why we turned against her because it, it, it was so desperate and she was so thirsty for attention. Like you're, if you're calling the paparazzi on yourself, hi, babe, <laughs> I still guess, <laughs> man, I'm talking about my favorite topic. Yeah. Housewives, I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love you. You're so official on it. You're such, such an official position. Yes. <laughs> so sweet. Did you I tell him though? Yes, be careful about his DMs if he wants to keep reading. Oh yeah, if you ever DM like a blonde thought on Instagram, you're gonna be dead, and I'm gonna end up in jail. So don't do it. Dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <Yep. laughs> he goes, did someone die? And I love that you're like giggling. You're like, yes, you'll be dead. <laughs> <laughs> love you. Bye. Are we going for a bike ride? Yeah, as soon as I'm done. Okay, love you. <laughs> Um, I just got an e-bike and I'm a little like unsteady on it. So he wants to like train me like with training reels. Um, so yeah. So what I was saying was the third, you know, when that overtakes who you are and your reasons for being on the show, 
it just, again, it's, it's not genuine. It's not authentic. And we don't, we don't, I don't want it. I don't want it. So I think there has to be like a thirst meter that has to really be assessed before someone is cast as a housewife. And I think if you have back-to-back week seasons, you're really going to shed viewers because, I mean, you guys know this, like, I'm invested. Like, I'm in. Like, it's a part of my every day. Like, between what I follow on Instagram, the reality blogs that I read, and the amount of hours I spend watching it, like, it's an investment. And I want to make sure that I'm getting a return on my investment. And my return is entertainment. And if you're not entertaining me and I'm just, like, angry at you because you're so thirsty on TV, I'm like, this isn't worth my time anymore. Well, that kind of brings us to the perfect way to end this is if you were a housewife, what would your tagline be? Oh, God, that's a really good question. Um, oh, my God. I don't know. I have to come up with a good one. I mean, I feel like I, I would be in the Dallas franchise because I like think of myself as like I left Dallas, came to New York, L.A., and like came back. So it's got to, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, like, it would be fun to, like, inject a little, like, New York, L.A. into, like, Highland Park. And I also, like, am the antithesis of someone that grew up in Highland Park. Like, the north side of Fort Worth is the exact polar opposite of, like, Highland Park. So I feel like I could, like, teach these bitches a lesson or two about what it's like to really be, like, a tough Texan. Not their, like, fake, like, society-ness. So I have to come, I have to come up with a line. I mean, I'm, I'm, like, only five feet tall, so I feel like I could take on Cam. Um, like in a height bat, like she's like the tall, like blonde. I'm like the opposite of Cam. So it'd have to be something about being like, like don't underestimate my height for weakness or something. I was going like to say like, I may be five feet tall, but I can pack a punch or like, yeah, something, like something, something yeah, like, like, mm-hmm, you know, like don't come, yeah, don't like come don't underestimate my size. Yes. Well, Liliana, thank you so much for joining us. If people aren't following you already, how can they find you on Instagram? You've got fun recipes. I'm actually trying your pasta, that feta TikTok thing um, this week. My husband and I are going to make that, but you can get recipes, fashion tips, entertainment news. How can people connect with you? Totally. You can follow me on Instagram. It's just my name. It's Liliana Vasquez. Um, but, but Vasquez is spelled with two Z's. Um, sometimes people are like, I can't find you. And I'm like, it's because my last name is V-A-Z-Q-U-E-Z. So yeah, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at the same handle at Liliana Vasquez. And then of course, if you want to like dive deeper into everything lifestyle, which is what I cover on my blog, you can just check out LilianaVasquez.com or my blog, TheLVGuide.com. You will fail. So what? Everybody does. But your gym, your watch, your yoga pants, they pretend you won't. So when you miss a day, eat the pancakes. Give up on a workout? You failed? Seriously, what the hell? We're body. We've been a part of that too. But not anymore. At body, we're rejecting perfection and embracing reality. Not in a pizza Monday kind of way in a loving your whole life kind of way, in a this workout is fun and it's okay if I take a week off kind of way, in an I'm eating healthy 
an it's okay if I indulge kind of way. In a I like myself no matter what kind of way. Yeah, you will fail. We all will. But we're not going to let that be the end. You see that? We're already making progress. So let's keep going. We are body. Start your free trial at body.com. That's B-O-D-I dot com.